Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. In this episode, we are talking about crisis response to situations involving mental health. The challenge and complexity of mental health issues in our community is growing. And since the onset of the COVID pandemic has now reached a critical stage. How do we as a community respond to and provide help to the people in the middle of a crisis? Well, one innovative idea that is now being put to the test is making headlines in the Fox Valley. It's a partnership between mental health services and law enforcement. In February, the Appleton Police Department, along with the Outagamie County Health and Human Services Department, announced the exciting launch of a new two-year pilot effort to add an Outagamie County mental health crisis clinical therapist embedded within the Appleton Police Department. The idea is to have the therapist immediately available as a co-first responder to mental health crisis when law enforcement are called. Yes, and this pilot program has actually been two years in the making, and the planning took the expertise, collaboration, and the support from a lot of people convened around the table. They are the Community Crisis Response Team, whose goal is to help community members access the appropriate level of care by providing on-site clinical evaluations and risk assessments for those experiencing a mental health crisis. We had a chance to gather some members of that team for a conversation about how this pilot came to be, what we've learned so far, and the difference it's already making in just a few weeks. Let's listen in. I am here with Beth Clay, Executive Director with NEW Mental Health Connection in Appleton. Hello, Beth. Hi. We're also here with Sarah Bassing-Sutton, a Community Suicide Prevention Coordinator with NEW Mental Health Connection. Hello. Hello. Dr. Brian Bazire, Clinical Director at Outagamie County Human Services, Outagamie County, Wisconsin. Hello, Brian. Hello. And we have Lieutenant Megan Cash with the Appleton Police Department. Hello, Megan. Hi. Well, Megan, why don't we start with you in this conversation? Why don't you start by letting us know about the enormous amount of emergency calls that the Appleton Police Department uh, typically would respond to, how many of those involve a crisis or mental health situation, and what it takes to respond to those? So our officers typically see on a an average day, I would say 90% of our calls for service involve some facet of mental health, whether that's a person in crisis or a family member that's struggling. We're seeing more and more with the awareness of our officers, their ability to diagnose and see things on the street that, you know, maybe historically somebody would just walk away from thinking it's not a police ser- like service or something that police would respond to. Um, with that increased training our officers have had, we are just seeing an enormous amount of calls related to mental health. We did see an increase in COVID times, um, which we are still seeing now, of just not only uh, people dealing with and not having necessarily the resources available and support systems, but also just the increase in crisis calls. Yeah, there's been research out there, too, about the increase in the rates of depression and the increase in the rates of anxiety, both across the nation as well as locally. And uh, we've seen uh, an increase in youth suicidal ideation. So I think that during the time of the pandemic and even now, we're seeing increased um, depression and anxiety for sure. Yeah, in crisis services in Outagamie County, we have 
prior to COVID, um, we were very fortunate to have the different law enforcement agencies that really respond to the, the first responders to deal with people in crisis, whether that be mental health, substance use. Um, and so we're fortunate um, to have these these professionals there and working with us. And the, the system was often where the law enforcement officer would go to the scene, evaluate, and uh, they were they were stuck with trying to figure out what's the next step and oftentimes having to bring that person to the emergency room for further evaluation. Um, prior to COVID, um, that was often the structure. And when COVID hit, we were tasked with several challenges of, of um how do we use the ERs now that they're so um, dealing with COVID consumers and, and how do we keep our um, law enforcement officers and our clinical therapists and the people doing crisis work safe? So it really presented new challenges for us in many different ways. I would say, too, COVID in itself, kind of the dynamic of just being in a pandemic and what the shutdown caused um, was just an increase in a lot of the risk factors for people's mental health challenges. Um, and it also decreased the protective factors that we normally have that protect our mental health. And so as the new mental health connection kind of having an eagle's eye view of the system, we were really concerned about what we would start to see from people uh, during that time. And one of the ways we kind of tested that out was the increase in calls to police. An example of that, as far as what uh, Beth was mentioning, what was the impact? What we started to see were clinics were closing their doors. Um, they couldn't operate because their staff were either getting sick or they had to figure out. And so now consumers were trying to figure out where do I go for those services or those support groups. Or So we were starting to see significant calls to crisis services and try to, how do we help individuals who no longer can get access to services that they used to get access during that, that time frame? And I think in that same vein from law enforcement, we were seeing that these, what at a time prior to COVID, uh, less complex mental health crisis, something that officers were able to manage having the resources to refer somebody to the next day, the connections that they could say will get you into an outpatient service or a group home or other resources within our community that when COVID hit were no longer in existence, putting more and more calls to law enforcement that would then be repeat calls to law enforcement where we couldn't solve the problem. And most officers are looking for a way to help that person. And when there's not the resources available to do that, and there's not a way to, to direct them somewhere, it becomes something that then we were seeing higher levels of violence, higher levels of, of acts occurring. Um, and, and just the overall community safety became a higher, higher risk. And not only that, we also saw an increase in substance use. We saw people turning to alcohol. Um, we saw more people having to be detoxed from alcohol. Um, we saw more substance use um, as people were in some ways falling back on uh, maladaptive patterns to cope with all these things that they were dealing with and, and losing jobs and all sorts of uh, other stressors in their life. Yeah, COVID brought us kind of a perfect storm. Uh, because of the financial hardship piece that was a part of it and the um, losing access to some of the basic needs support. So they would show up with law enforcement with sort of mental health behaviors 
Um, but the case was far more complex than just the mental health. And the other thing we saw a rise in kind of the impetus for calls during the lockdown was around relationships. And uh, that was so folks were at home losing jobs, you know, maybe not having access to things. Um, and then the relationship issues would be challenging. And then there were behaviors that made police be called. So it became very far more complex um, just dealing with these um, police contacts than we had addressed before. Also, early in the pandemic, police were the only ones who were still responding to all the things. So we partnered, the Connection partnered with the um, law enforcement across the Tri-County to really b get a better understanding of what was going on with community mental health. And that's where we really, truly recognize those increased calls increased calls to uh, law enforcement, as well as repeat callers. So folks were calling and reaching out for help, but unable to get connected to the mental health system of care. And then that led to more calls to law enforcement. So, you know, through that work early in the pandemic is really um, what helped us to come to this collaboration that we have today. Um, what we're seeing, you know, as we move out of COVID and into this new place that we're at as a society, I think what we're seeing is, you know, a lot that has changed over the last few years, not only with mental health response, but also in law enforcement. And what does that look like when a uniformed officer arrives on scene? And what are people's feelings about that? There are a lot of things that, that people consider when they see law enforcement um, that not just stretches within this area of Wisconsin, but across the the, the nation. And so those are things that now I think our officers also think about is what does that uniform mean to people? And especially when we're looking at mental health crisis, how that is a factor when somebody arrives on scene and what services do they think they're, they're going to provide. And that's something that was even more important when we talk about this collaboration and that ability for us to change what that response looks like. Um, not only visually change it, but really make the entire system different based on this response. Well, let's talk about that collaboration. Um, you began to talk about uh, what can we do differently? And so how did this collaboration come about? Oh, boy. Um, so we, like I mentioned, uh, partnered with law enforcement across the Tri-County and created this early warning system where we uh, were monitoring calls with law enforcement uh, related to mental health uh, crisis. And when we saw those calls increasing, we came together as a community to brainstorm, what do we do about this? Um, and through that, the we call it the dream team was formed. Um, and that consisted of everyone from emergency room doctors to community mental health professionals to folks with lived experience, um, folks from Outagamie County Crisis, APD, um, Outagamie County Sheriff's Department, um, all coming around the table to discuss what do we do? Because COVID had us all upside down. So we had the opportunity really in that unique moment to create something new in systems that have not changed in a very long time. So if there's a silver lining to the pandemic, it really was this opportunity to talk about and look at doing things differently. And this dream team developed an ideal system response. If your loved one was in a crisis, a mental health crisis, how would you want your loved one to be responded to? And we really moved from that place of, you know, what are the core values we want this system to represent? And, and what are the options that might be possible in an ideal system response? Uh, and 
we did some research about um, other programs across the state of Wisconsin and ultimately landed on the co-responder model uh, because we needed to start somewhere. Currently, we have law enforcement as the main responder to any type of emergency, whether it's mental health, physical health, or a crime. And we needed to begin where our community would be supportive in taking a first step of having an alternate response. In those early days, what were some of the questions that you had, maybe some issues that you hadn't thought about that came up that you struggled with? Well, I can start with that um, because I, um, the New Mental Health Connection serves as kind of a backbone entity for all of the community to work collaboratively on really big system change things. Um, so, you know, at first, from my perspective, um, it was about getting all the right people at the table. But then even with us all being there, that's not the end. That's only the means by which we make change. Um, and uh, the thing that is really striking about trying to change public entities, municipality kind of things, is that they're not funded or budgeted in a way that allows them to innovate or take risks. And so we can all want them to do things differently. Even internally, they can want to do things differently. But it really took a public-private partnership in order to allow this system to change relatively quickly. Um, you know, it was a, a, a year and a half or so of work. But really, when you think about the places we were making change, it was pretty miraculous. Um, and it was also about entities that haven't um, that aren't as versed in what it means to be a collaboration. And so there was a lot of just sort of bringing everybody along in, you know, how do we create something that didn't exist before? And then what place does it have in the community? And, um, you know, collaboration is, is as much art as it is science. Um, and I think we can forget that, that, you know, if everybody thinks it's a good idea, can't we just implement and start? Um, and yeah, that would be awesome, but that's really not how it is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of coaching and, and herding of cats and helping people, um, take risks that they wouldn't normally take. And, um, what's exciting about this collaborative group is how willing everybody was. So there was nobody that was, that we were dragging along behind us. Um, everybody wanted to, wants this to be better than it was. And so it was an exciting thing to be part of. We are going to take a quick break and be right back. The Community Foundation's collective impact is tremendous. In 2021 alone, the organization distributed $38.5 million in grants to more than 1,300 local recipients. Those grants support the full range of charitable causes in the community, from human services to the arts. The Community Foundation is led by an impressive team of volunteers and staff. Learn how you, your family, or business can make a difference at www.cffoxvalley.org. Thank you. We're back talking with members of the Community Crisis Response Team and the new pilot program, which received a $25,000 grant from our Bright Idea Fund within the Community Foundation. So 
So from a law enforcement perspective, you know, we are in a time of change in law enforcement in general. And I think the next generation of, of folks that are coming into law enforcement um, are expecting this kind of a response. This is what they would expect if it was their loved one. And I think when we look at from the Appleton Police Department's perspective, that's the majority of our officers the entire time they've ever worked for our department. And so seeing something like this come to reality um, that people have been waiting for for so long, um, to feel that sense of I can do something to change somebody's life today and not um, refer them to somebody else, that we can do this together, especially that co-response way of doing things, that we can actually arrive together, respond to somebody in a mental health crisis, the clinical therapist and the officer, and really work through it with that person, with that person's family, so that it's an entire approach to helping them versus maybe seek a resource somewhere else. And it's really something that I think we're going to see relationships change throughout our entire community with this kind of response. And how is that one change going to rip that ripple effect? And so that was some of the early steps to figure out how do we get from point A to point B, but still making sure we're meeting those basic needs and basic services that have to stay operating. Um, so it was, it was, you know, it was the beginning stage of the dream team looking at how can we improve, but what does it take then to get to where we need to be? Did you have any uh, examples from other communities around the nation that you could look to? And if so, uh, who were they? What did you, what did you find out there? So in the early um, part of the pandemic, we started doing some research and uh, really spoke with um, both Health and Human Services uh, as well as the police department, both in Wausau, who has a program, um, and Green Bay, uh, who has a co-responder model, as well as um, Madison. Uh, Dane County has a phenomenal system of behavioral health care within uh, collaborations, Um and then Milwaukee also has a co-responder model. We did not uh, coordinate with them as much, but uh, the other three definitely. While we were looking at those other models, you know, because they were early in their stages as well, one of the 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 things that was going on at the state level was they were also questioning how do we improve crisis services. So it was it was that time where things were starting to come together, both at the local level and at the state level, and, and really what was going on in our nation also played a big role to begin to say, how do we change the way we provide uh, crisis services for people in mental health needs um, or substance use areas where those crisis needs are, are, how do we approach this differently? So it was um, so many different factors that were coming together that were helping us to kind of begin the process of um, developing a new approach, which really worked well um, for for us at that point. I mean, it was a struggle to get where we were in the sense of continuing to meet the needs, but then with the private collaboration, the new mental health connection coming in and beginning to work with us as how can we uh, pull in the, that different sector to help us collaborate um, and and meet those new changes that we'd like to see moving forward. You know, uh, the Community Foundation is thrilled to be a part of not only convening and, and partnering, but also helping with the funding. Can you talk a little bit about um, the funding and what it would take for a project like this? Uh, that was really the um, 
um, the piece that the Newman Health Connection was able to do was to help mobilize funding to do this because otherwise it really is just a dream. Um, <laughs> and so the Community Foundation, uh, the Bright Ideas Leadership Fund, had really been on a journey with us in discovering what we might try, what we might try to implement. And so it was exciting for them to commit to what we had sort of decided to move forward with. Um, we also uh, had funding from United Way Fox Cities, um, who also really kind of joined us in the project design part of it. And so by the time we were ready, they were, they were ready. Um, one of the really beautiful things about this particular funding collaboration is that the Appleton Police Department and Outagamie County themselves put funding forward to make this happen. So to have the, the implementation stakeholders have a, um, skin in the game is it really added to the, the power of everybody's engagement, um, the desire for philanthropy to help support knowing that they really that, that they were committing to this change. Well, let's talk about the implementation and, and putting that uh, from launch into real life practice. Megan, do you want to start us off and tell us a little bit about you know kind of the first time the public heard about this was a news release and, and a, a news conference? Yeah, it was an amazing day. Uh, the amount of positive things we heard, not only from people with lived experience who have been through the crisis system, um, reaching out to us to say this is amazing, um, from their past experiences to now and how excited they were to hear that this was coming, um, to folks that are just saying it's about time <laughs> that this has happened, um, echoing kind of what was, was said earlier, but just the idea that we're shining a light on something that a lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about and that we're able to come together not only as public and private entities to say this is a community issue and we need to tackle it as a community is something that's so incredibly um, amazing to see. And so I think um, from our perspective, from the Appleton Police Department, being able to be a part of that and see that it's going to make a larger change was was just amazing to see that day when we announced it that the community felt the same way. So, so tell us about the first call. Yeah, so it, it's it's a unique um, pilot in the sense that um, the position is in in the evening, so it's a time when most of the other resources are not available. And so um, Sarah Peterson, who has took the position um, at our Appleton Police Department um, to to serve within our our walls as a county employee, um, you know that's a huge undertaking to to come into a law enforcement agency working for the county as a clinical therapist. Um, she is amazing. She has done some amazing things just being in our building, having that ability to build relationships with community members, with our officers. Um, that was some of the first things that we, you know, needed to, to address was just what is it like to be here? What is it like when, a, when you're going to respond to a call? And um, it's been amazing since day one. Uh, she's been able to help so many people. Um, and really what we've seen from a law enforcement perspective is that ability to meet people where they are, allow people to have those assessments being done in their homes rather than causing additional trauma with law enforcement responding and taking them to a hospital, taking them somewhere. Um, so much can be done to troubleshoot and find resources for them in their homes. That That is the biggest impact we've seen so far. 
We're going to be uh, talking with Sarah Peterson in a future episode, but I wanted to ask you, what does this look like when uh, Sarah would get the phone call uh, when she arrives on the scene? What, what does that look like? So there's a lot of collaboration. We've That's kind of the theme of this entire pilot, but it really takes work from every entity to make a system like this work because we need support from every possible place in our community to make her response efficient, um, to allow her to be out with officers and, and all the things that come with officer safety as well. So typically when um, an officer would see that she is needed on a call, we, you know, have a call for service that there potentially could be a mental health um component to, an officer would contact her, let her know that, hey, I, I would love for you to respond. She'll respond out to that call. Um, and once it's uh, safe for her to, to enter the scene, then she's there. And that's the beauty of seeing her work with officers. It's not just passing off the person to Sarah. It's that ability, and she said it herself, that ability for them to have a dual conversation with the person because each person is coming in with a different perspective, different experience level, and it's really working together to figure out what's going to be best for that person. So even if it ends up being a safety plan for that person um, on a, a given evening, that ability for them to collaborate together is just an amazing thing to see. And adding to that, I mean, Sarah definitely is the right person for this position. She's got that foundation in doing the clinical work, but she also brings with the officer, she brings a knowledge of resources and how to help somebody uh, who might be looking for a certain level of care. Or, you know, if you think about sometimes when you have to navigate, healthcare systems can be very challenging for all sorts of reasons. Um, but Sarah has that understanding of, of what systems she can connect to because, again, she's collaborating with um, both the uh, private sector or the public sector and, and figuring out how do I help this person get the help they need at that period of time rather than an older system where the officer is like, let's see what we can do. Let's first bring it down to the ER, then we'll contact crisis and then crisis will come out. Again, here this is occurring in the person's home, you know, the, you know, the ability to help them feel more relaxed and, and comfortable and, and, and knowing that somebody cares as far as meeting their needs right there, both the two people present, the law enforcement and Sarah, working together to meet those needs for that person and getting them connected to that next level of care is so critical. I imagine her presence there is just so comforting, too, for the people that she's responding to. Absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, Sarah can can bring at any time, um, whether Sarah and the officer are, are coming together. They're they're conveying that that care for that person, and how can we help you? And how can we, you know? And just sometimes hearing somebody say, "Let's get you the help that you need and figure this out." Um, and and that person also having knowledge of what those resources are to get them maybe a warm handoff to that next level. And follow-up, that's critical as well. Sometimes it's, you know, Sarah following up the next day um, to make sure, were you able to connect it or how else can I help you? Or sometimes it's like, I don't need help at this moment, but down the road, Sarah might be available and reaching out after, after that, uh, you know, that immediate need might be something that's of benefit to that person. 
I think the other thing, too, probably is people getting connected to the appropriate level of care right from the get-go rather than a situation potentially escalating because it has to go to the emergency department to have the assessment. You know, to Brian's point, they're in their home. They feel safer, more settled, more secure, and they can be assessed right there to get connected to the most appropriate level of care rather than accessing higher levels of care, which ultimately costs the community more money. Any key learning so far in the pilot as we've just been here a few weeks? Um, I think one thing that, you know, we, we see is that everyone wants to run and we're at the point of walking and, <laughs> and, and it's, I, I have children. And so we have those conversations a lot at the police department about, we need to be okay with this walk. This journey we are on is, has a bigger intent for our community. And if we can get it right as we're making this journey through all of the small steps and hiccups that happen, that by the time we're ready to run, it's going to be an amazing thing. The pilot is for two years, correct? And uh, what do you hope happens at the end of those two years? What, what is the plan? We hope to have it at the police department and every other law enforcement agency in this area. It would be amazing to have, um, you know, an approach just from law enforcement. Um, we're so different sometimes in the agencies that exist and the way that we do things are so different that it would be amazing to see something like this bringing us together in a very um, similar response to people in crisis so that someone knows the second they call 911 that it doesn't matter who's coming to their house, that they're getting that same level of care every single time. Well, thank you all four of you for joining us for this important conversation. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Next time, we are going to hear from people on the ground responding to crisis situations in the Fox Cities and how this program is working in action. We've got all the links for today's program on our website, cffoxvalley.org. Look for the podcast link on our homepage and look for today's episode titled Community Crisis Response. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you on demand sent to your computer or smart device. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. Mm-hmm.